0: So my experience with a loved one dying is when my 32-year-old husband passed away from uveal melanoma on March 26th of 2019. Um, So it's been about... It'll have been two years this coming March. We are in the depths of grief right now with the holidays right around the corner. Um, And I guess I'll just begin with how this entire journey started because my grief journey actually began long before he actually passed away. Um, Ian, my late husband, and I met when we were 18 years old in college, and we just fell like magically in love it was just so much fun neither of us knew what we were doing um but we were just young and in love and like had nothing but the future ahead of us and it was just that magical romance I feel like that you kind of dream about or at least that's how I remember it and so um we, we ended up spending our entire college together. And then we took some time apart to kind of figure out what we need to do in our lives. But we kept in touch um, every now and then just because we still cared a lot about each other. And one day when I was at my internship in grad school at the time, Ian was also living in China, I received a phone call from him. And he was just in tears and just really upset and he said that he had just gone to the doctors because he woke up one morning and couldn't see and they told him that he had cancer and you know here he is in this hospital in Beijing China like there's a language barrier just you know cancer's not a it's a scary term to begin with so just trying to get the the answers that he needed to the questions that were probably racing through his mind was crazy so um, his original diagnosis was back in, what was that, 2012. Um, He was 24 at the time and we were both just starting out our careers, um, you know, had nothing again, but just like this vision of the future. He was trying to get into hotel management, um, out in, in China and I was doing my graduate degree and that diagnosis, I think both made us stop and really think about, okay, what is really important in in life? Like, um, If tomorrow is never guaranteed like what's really going to matter so we kind of reconnected through that experience and I always say that that's kind of like my the silver lining in that original diagnosis is that it brought us kind of closer together um in an ironic kind of twist of fate but anyways I guess what that meant to him was saying all right this person cares a lot about me he proposed we got married um and we were still doing like cancer treatments at the time. He was just getting his one. It was uveal melanoma. So it's an eye tumor. And they, um, we were treating it out in, in Los Angeles. And um, it turned out that the doctor wanted to remove his eye like two weeks before we were supposed to get married. And Ian was just like, no, I don't want our, our wedding to be about this. Like we're going to get married. We're going to have our day together and we'll go on our honeymoon and then we'll like deal with all this later. So I just kind of followed his lead and that's what we did and had a beautiful wedding. And a lot of people ask me, they're like, Oh, you, um, you, uh, knew that Ian had cancer and you got married to him. And I'm just like, yeah, like we, we just chose like that moment over fear of the future and our love for one another. And it really made that day really, really magical. So um, anyways, he got his eye removed and we thought the worst was behind us. And so we moved out to San Diego. We started a family I got pregnant with our first daughter, Isabel, and we were, you know, life was good. It was 2014. Um, The cancer diagnosis was kind of just like in the back of our minds. We weren't really thinking about it that much. We had to go and get a scan like, you know, once or twice a year. But then um, in August of 2017, I was sitting on the beach and watching Izzy Izzy's, Isabel, my daughter, and my husband Ian play around and just having so much fun together. And um, I was pregnant with my son, Theo, at the time. And Ian all of a sudden came over to me, with he just looked, you know, concerned and was like, I just got a call from my doctor saying that the lower back pain that I've been experiencing is actually my uveal melanoma. It's metastasized and there's tumors like all over my spine. And basically I need to go into the emergency room now. So we were like, Oh my God. Um, we found a sitter for our daughter and then we went to the emergency room and spent, you know, what we thought would be an hour turned into a day. And then once we got out of the ER, we went to the hospital and over there for more, more days. Cause it's just, you know, scans and more information and doctor's prognosis and this and that. So I just remember that day feeling like forever and Ian and I just like, just that, like that was the big turning point for us. We were both just in tears and um, that really, this diagnosis was a lot more serious because once melanoma metastasizes, generally people only survive about six to nine months. Um, and Ian and I kind of chose to ignore the numbers and not look too far ahead into the future. We said, all right, we're gonna fight this. We, you're young, you could be that one person who beats, who, who beats this, why not, right? So um, from that point on, we decided to move back to Colorado to be close to my family. Um, we had my two and a half year old daughter and I was about to have a new baby and Ian in the middle of all this is, you know, there's a new brain tumor popping up or we're needing, we decided to go seek treatment over in Houston, Texas at a cancer center called MD Anderson. And we went the experimental treatment route because there's just no cure for this. And we said, we have to figure out something. So, um, we did experimental treatments for about 15 months. Um, meanwhile, raising a two and a half year old and a newborn baby, it was it was wild. Luckily, we had a bunch of support. Um, but this was a period of time that I didn't know was called um, anticipatory griefs. And I, it's been interesting because having gone through COVID this year. Um, We're all experiencing a lot of anticipatory grief on top of grief due to the loss of normalcy, but it's this period of just uncertainty and not being able to make like plans because you just really don't know like what the future holds. And it's anticipating this loss. Um, I didn't know if Ian would make it, and literally, you're living in between doctors' um, diagnosis and scans like, do we have more time? Did it work? Or is he going to? die. So that was a really, really crazy time. And Ian and I just really focused on trying to live in the moment during the times where he was feeling ill, we rested. And during the times where he was feeling good, we made the most of it. And so Ian, you know, most people last only six to nine months and he ended up lasting another 15. But um, we knew that his time was kind of... um, time was ticking away because on um, January 1st of 2019, I woke up one morning and um, to Ian saying that he couldn't feel his legs. And so we immediately rushed him to the emergency room and it turns out there was another tumor pressing against his spine and he needed emergency spinal surgery or he wouldn't be able to walk. And, um, Luckily, Ian recovered from that. He did walk out of the hospital, but he was like, I need to go home. I need to go home to Hawaii, which is where I'm from. I'm afraid that if I don't go, I'll never make it there. And um, as much as he didn't want to say that he was dying, he, I think he knew it kind of in the back of his mind. But he was too too proud. to. That's such a hard reality, I think, to face, especially for someone who's 30 two years old with two kids, um, under the age of five. So I said, all right, let's go out to Hawaii and, um, let's just see what happens. I, I think in the back of the mind, I, my mind, I knew that we wouldn't make it back either, but we went out there and we were for just a three, three week vacation. It ended up turning into a three month stay because Ian ended up checking in the hospice Um, Yes, his pain was just so out of control. And um, there's this woman who donated to us her beach home. And I call her like my guardian angel because that was just so amazing um, and generous. But it was, I mean, for as horrible of an experience as you think of losing a loved one would be, it was... I, I mean, I, I'm in grief right now and I hear a bunch of different people's stories. Like this was, this was probably one of the most beautiful ways that he could have gone. Um, he was right by the water. He was right by these twin islands called the Mokuluas, which is where he grew up surfing. All of his friends stopped by, they would play guitar, you know, in his room while he was just lying in his hospital bed. Um, he had the ocean breeze kind of just like coming in and, um, it was, it was a very like surreal time for all of us because to watch someone just kind of slowly fade away and for them to lose control over their own body and mind is just, it's it's really hard. It's just, it's nothing that you can prepare for. And even when it happens, I think your mind still takes a while to just process everything that's going on. Um, so I wrote Ian a love letter during that time where I just said, you know, I love you so much. This is how you have made an impact on my life. And um, we're going to be okay. And when I read that letter to him, he was kind of in like a daze. And he was just like, Oh, Emily, that was so nice. Like, was that is it my birthday <laughs> or like, is it our anniversary? Did I mess something up? And I was like, no, no, no. It's just a love letter. This was probably like, I don't know, a week before he died. But, um, after I felt like I had kind of said what I needed to say and I felt like I was ready to like, let him go. And he was just suffering so much. But, um, the hospice nurse, interestingly enough knew that he was going to pass away like the night before he did and so um I said my final goodbyes and he passed early on in the morning like just before the sun was rising and before the kids came up there was nobody there in the room and I don't think he would have had it any other way because he's too proud and he needed to go on his own time um I brought my three-year-old daughter at the time in the room after he had passed away to say goodbye, and that was really hard. She, I just said, "Do you want to say goodbye to Daddy?" And at first, she said no. She was so confused and scared. And then, um, eventually, I brought her in there, or she, or she. Eventually, she said, "Yes, Mom, I do want to say goodbye." And so she brought her in there, and we just said our goodbyes. And then she just looked up at me, and she said, "Can we go?" And so we went to the beach, played around, and again just felt so surreal um when we came back his body was gone they had intentionally taken him away while we were out at the beach with the kids and when we got back she just goes mommy like where did daddy go and i was like he went up into the stars and the sun and the sky um and she's like just like poof and i was like yeah just like poof like i didn't get into the everything and it's just funny because as much as she's trying to process everything so so was I and um I mean I guess where I'll leave that is she's it's been almost two years now um we still light a candle for my husband her father and my son's father he's two now um And we'll talk into this guy and say goodnight to daddy and say how much we love him. And um, it's been a journey of grief post-death ever since as well. I think the first year has been all about survival, like all the crazy emotions of grief um, and trying to figure out a way to move through those. And I've used fitness to do that. Um, but then also just being still enough to really like listen to my feelings and to find those moments where I can truly connect with my husband beyond his physical presence, um, has been like really, really key. So it's been an incredible journey. It's been filled with a lot of pain, but also with so much love and, I guess the conclusion to my story is that um, I now understand that death does kill a person. It does not kill a relationship and that love and that connection never dies.